break 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 you are now listening to breakthrough news You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, you are here on The Punch-Out for 19-2021, Monday the 19th of April. Very happy to be back with you as we start this week here on The Punch-Out. Plenty for you, as we always do here on the show. We have even more evidence of an economic crash coming our way. We're going to be talking also about Ethiopia on the brink. I mean, they're already in one crisis, but on the brink of an even bigger crisis. But before we get to either of those two critically important stories, we want to start with Guatemala, human rights, the United States. Lawmakers in Guatemala are refusing to swear in the president of the Constitutional Court, Gloria Porras, despite the fact she was reelected for a five-year term recently. Now, they claim the reason is because of a lawsuit against her, alleged irregularities with her election, but this is almost certainly a pretext. Almost all observers recognize the refusal to allow Porras to serve is directly related to her term as the court president in the past, where she pushed to address crucial issues surrounding the genocide against Native people in recent past decades. I'm talking the 1980s here, and also addressing issues of corruption and land use being pushed forward by Guatemala's right-wing political establishment. As Reuters lays out on the court, Porras, quote, voted against the decision to vacate a conviction against ex-dictator Rios Montt for genocide of Mayan people during the country's 36 years of a war. And on her watch, the court stopped a mining project due to indigenous objections. Under Porras, the Constitutional Court was also key in obstructing what Guatemalan prosecutors said last year was a conspiracy to pack lower tribunals with court official, corrupt officials. Rather, Six people are on trial related to the investigation, end quote. Now, one thing that's very notable about this, by the way, is that the new head of the court is Roberto Molina, who's a close ally of Rios Montt's daughter, actually almost was her running mate in the election. And again, just for context, Rios Montt and his military regime in the 80s killed tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people, really. And again, attempted to literally annihilate entire indigenous communities. And notably, Molina has complained how the constitutional court in the past, under Porras, had cared too much about the rights of the indigenous. So you get it here. Removing porous is a play to avoid any real scrutiny for their corruption and to restore a climate of impunity around crimes against humanity. And this is all despite the fact that Biden directly told Guatemala's president and close U.S. ally Alejandro Giamatti that keeping the integrity of the court was a major priority for the U.S. So it certainly seems that Giamatti and his Vamos party are either A, willing to risk it, or B, have calculated that it isn't much of a risk because they don't think Biden will do much of anything. So this sets up a big test for Biden. He claims to want to go after the root causes of the immigration issue here in the United States, the crisis on the border we're seeing. But as we've detailed on this show numerous times, the U.S. is the root cause. People are coming from Guatemala, from Honduras, from Haiti, from El Salvador, all these U.S.-backed right-wing governments. 
You may remember Guatemala was rocked by massive protests last fall, hundreds of thousands coming into the streets to oppose a far-right budget that the government was forced to withdraw. It made some headlines, of course, because protesters set fire to the Congress building there in Guatemala. And this was a budget that cut money to fight hunger in a country where 49% of children suffer from chronic malnutrition. It also proposed to cut funding for health care during a pandemic. So it gives you a sense of Giamatti and his vamos party and who they are and what they want to do. No wonder people are fleeing en masse. But nevertheless, the U.S. has been supporting this government and the predecessor, Jimmy Morales, who wasn't any better for years, including when Biden was the vice president of the United States. So he wants to deal with root causes. The question is, will the U.S. actually do anything here? Now, they've issued some statements. But if they want to actually address it, they obviously need to abandon support for these right-wing regimes and movements. But undoubtedly, they're looking to find a way to stabilize it, and they will almost certainly continue to back the government. This is absolutely the roll of the dice that Giamatti is betting on, that they will absolutely back the government because the U.S. has consistently shown going back to the 1980s, they will do literally anything to prevent left-wing governments from rising in Central America. Everything from coups to dirty wars. And in Guatemala's last election, even though the left ended up being divided in terms of a number of of parties, unambiguously left-wing parties actually got the second highest number of votes in the first round of the election when combined. So change is obviously not impossible, and there are many agents of change there in Guatemala. So the question is, will the U.S. let people's movements take their course? Will they keep backing Giamatti and his cronies, who seem set to drown the country in poverty, corruption, and violence? Ethiopia is slipping into a deeper crisis as the government has declared a state of emergency in Amhara state due to ethnic tensions. And this is while the conflict in Tigray that has been all over the news continues to smolder. The current move in Amhara state comes after 300 people were killed over several days in March. It was tensions between the Amhara people and the Oromo people who have a special region in the state. These tensions are longstanding. Now, the important thing to understand here about Ethiopia is that Ethiopia in its modern form emerged out of a thousands-year-old empire. And that empire embraced a range of different ethnic groups and nations. The Amhara are the largest and were the ethnic group of the royal family, Haile Selassie, you heard of him. Uh, and thus, they acted as an oppressor nation towards the others at varying degrees of severity over time. And since the Ethiopian revolution in the mid-1970s, the country has struggled to come up with a workable multinational framework and tensions between various ethnicities has been an issue and the result of many, many conflicts. In the 1990s and most of the 2000s, the country was ruled by the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front and their allies. Now, they pushed an aggressively federal system where they maintained the bulk of the centralized power, sort of a reverse of what at least they claimed to be their previous marginalization. And they would manage these conflicts through means both fair and foul and really just with a massive military and intelligence apparatus, this federal structure, playing people off against each other, keeping the power close to themselves and preventing other people from getting the power by seemingly diffusing it in a structural sense, um, while in reality centering it on their own party. Now, the price of that, of course, were massive human rights abuses. Now, the current president, Ahmed Abi, came to power because of this a few years ago with a promise to promote unity, to address historic discrimination, and build a more centralized multinational state focused on economic development for the country as a whole. Now, ultimately, that process is starting to fray despite some initial promise. The TPLF has, of course, 
uh, risen up and is engaging in mass guerrilla warfare, while in states like Amhara, tensions are fraying around the edges. So some are even wondering if the country could be on the brink of civil war. Now, that seems like it's too far to go at this point, and it is worth noting that the traditional antagonism between Ethiopia and Eritrea, which has caused several wars, seems to actually be waning uh, as a result of this crisis. Clearly, there are big, big challenges in uniting the country. One quick note I have to say about all this, it's very interesting to see how the TPLF, the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front, is being presented as the victim uh, in their particular conflict when they are, in fact, the aggressor, and that only Abi is being scored for human rights abuses when the TPLF has one of the worst records on the continent in that regard. That certainly didn't stop the U.S. from shoveling tons of cash in their direction when they led the country as a thanks for their partnership, the so-called war on terror. They were especially close with the Bush administration, by the way. Now, I have no doubt that all these wars are extremely brutal. And in fact, Ethiopia writ large has been embroiled in extremely brutal wars for some time here. uh, And that's part of the problem in and of itself. But you have to ask yourself, why is it that atrocities by Ethiopian governments seem to only be an issue internationally now or in the 1980s when the government is oriented towards a centralized multinational developmental state? Or why the context of the history of the Ethiopian Empire, the history of the revolution and what happened in the 1980s, the history of what's happened in the 1990s is never really given in the media. It's just a fact-free, the Ethiopian government is a bunch of human rights abusers against these other people who they never really explain exactly who they are. Either way, Ethiopia on the brink of a major conflict that could have repercussions regionally, that would be huge. This correct context is absolutely important for people under, to understand exactly what's going on there in Ethiopia and to parse whether or not many of the claims about, you know, who's wearing the black hat and who's wearing the white hat are true or false. And I don't think they're really all that clear 100% in this situation, but it does seem that there are some self-interested actors involved in promoting uh, a narrative that goes against the current government of Abiy Ahmed. But nevertheless, a lot of complicated factors, a lot of very, very legitimate claims that are being made, not just in terms of the wars themselves, but the long history of these various nationalities going back to the Ethiopian empire. It's a thicket of claims, a thicket of issues, all of which are very difficult to resolve. And unfortunately, it seems like they may not be resolved without more conflict in the near future. Well, for those of you who listen on a regular basis, you know I'm pretty consistently harping on the fact that all the economic boosterism that's happening right now is misplaced. And that, in fact, the U.S. and and really world capitalist economy is skating on extremely thin ice of massive debt that seems bound to explode and take the economy down with it. And so here's more evidence on that score, by the way, this time from a 60 Minutes interview with Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, which happened recently. Now, Powell was confronted by 60 Minutes by a story that had been a major story in the Wall Street Journal. This was a few weeks back that the story was big, about how $814 billion had been borrowed by people trading on Wall Street to buy stocks. So they took $814 billion on debt, on credit, and they used that to buy stocks. That was a very concerning number, as the Wall Street Journal laid out, because the only time that you had amounts of money being borrowed by people to trade on Wall Street uh, that rivaled what's happening now were the periods that preceded both the dot-com crash and the 2008 crash. So you would think that'd be like a flashing red light, like the only other times this has happened, the economy melted down not long after. Confronted with this fact, Powell amazingly 
said he had no idea about the statistic, despite it being a huge story on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. So, of course, it's just totally unbelievable that he doesn't know what he's talking about, uh, that he had never heard what the interviewer was talking about. He then went into some whole thing about how the regulators are all on top of it. It's all fine. And then, interestingly enough, he just dismissed it and said that it was all, quote unquote, margin debt. Now, he knows that basically no one knows what he's saying, so I'm sure he's just hoping that people hear something technical and say, ah, it sounds like they got a handle on it. But he also didn't just use that phrase loosely. Margin debt is when you borrow money to buy a stock from your broker. Now, he mentioned that because there's a rule, Regulation T, that limits how much the broker can lend you to buy stock in order to allegedly limit the risk of brokers getting sucked into a bunch of trades by some wily hedge fund manager who then can't actually pay when it goes bad, taking down the lender potentially. So Powell's saying, yes, I know that statistic sounds bad, 60 Minutes. Sounds terrible. Sounds like exactly the warning sign you'd be looking for when you're looking for a crash. But actually, it's all fine. It's all good. It's regulated activity. Now, those of you who are close watchers of the economy might be saying, well, hold up, hold up, hold up. Didn't a big hedge fund where $10 billion just collapse? And weren't they also involved in some shady trades with money they borrowed from people? Could that be related to this? Well, if your hunch was yes, you are in fact right. And it appears that the Archegos, sorry, collapse, that's the $10 billion hedge fund that collapsed, was an attempt to do an in run around Regulation T. As we explained to you before, uh, the that whole situation was involving a collapse in a particular type of derivative known as total return swaps. Now, for our purposes here, what you need to know about total return swaps is this. It's basically a way for one person to make more money off an asset they own, uh, at least potentially, and for someone who doesn't own the asset to also make some money off of it. If the asset goes up, the owner of the asset gets money from the asset appreciating, but they also then have to pay the other person a set rate based on the deal that they had made. If the asset goes down, the owner gets paid only. So the person who basically uh, borrowed the money uh, has to pay them back. So the owner's taking a big risk because if the person they deal with can't pay, when the asset drops, boom, they have no recourse. But these forms of swaps and derivatives are not governed by Regulation T. And that's crucial because what happened at Archegos seems to be, according to the reporting, is that the owners of the assets were letting the hedge fund have full discretion on what stocks to buy and sell. So rather than what normally is happening, and this is why it's not governed under Regulation T, which is that we're going to come to terms on some deal on one asset or another, or maybe even a basket of different things or a few different deals we're going to make, but they're going to be particular about a particular asset that I have that you want to address, so on and so forth. But it turns out what was happening with this hedge fund is that they were being given the full discretion. So that means that the banks, essentially, the people lending them the money, were actually just loaning them money to speculate on the stock market and hoping it worked out. But because they disguised it as a swap, it wasn't limited by Regulation T in terms of how much money they could lend to the hedge fund. So it was a way of doing an in-run around regulations designed to prevent the lenders of money from lending out way more money than is prudent to people with no real uh, way of proving they can pay it back, which obviously can have huge problems. So the question is, how widespread is this? Was this just a one-off type of situation, just one bad actor, or is it indicative of a broader trend? I mean, how many other similar types of deals are being used as workarounds to funnel cash into outrageous speculation without any sort of regulator having to know? Consider this. Goldman Sachs Bank USA, a federally insured bank, 
has $271.6 billion in assets versus a face value of $42.2 trillion in derivatives. That includes swaps and other things. Now, of course, it could be all on the up and up, but you can see the type of bailout taxpayers would be on the hook for here, federally insured bank, if even a small amount of those deals are dodgy. So who really knows? But either way, Chairman Powell was being deliberately cagey to hide the fact that there is a massive amount, massive amount of risk in the economy, that we're all in a position to take a big hit, and that there are tons of red flashing lights. His answer to 60 Minutes basically meant that not only is it clear that there's probably a chance there's an in-run going on around regulators on exactly this issue that brought down this $10 billion hedge fund, but that he isn't even that interested in looking into it. And he's supposed to be the top regulator. Tells you something right there about the nature of capitalism, but it tells you something right there about the real stakes here in terms of this massive stock market frenzy. It could all come down and it ain't going to come down on top of the people who run Wall Street. It's going to come down on top of average, everyday working people, just like these crashes always do. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom.